Hello again, welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, David Steele, along with my co-host, Eloaura Zeng. Just a friendly reminder, if you like what you're hearing, you can follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Real Talks, that's R-E-E-L Talks, just like my last name, S-T-E-E-L. Also, you can find us on social media. I'm on Twitter at WannabeRounder, LinkedIn, and on Instagram. At DQDL. Where can they find you? I'm also on LinkedIn and on Instagram. And in both of them, you can find me under Eloaura Zen. That's E-L-O-A-O-R-A-Z-E-M. Pretty easy. I'm the only one there. Fantastic. Just a couple of quick reminders and announcements. Before we get started today, we're, doing, we're starting a Patreon channel in just a few short weeks. And in doing so, if you choose to support us, you'll have the opportunity to get some great perks such as earning your name, shout it out before every podcast, cool merch, and if you're one of our major contributors, you'll get a one-hour monthly Zoom meeting with us, which leads me to my next big announcement. Beginning in May, the channel will be starting what's known as Flashback Fridays, which means we'll be talking about movies from the past. The first film we'll be discussing is Iron Man, and then we'll be doing every single MCU movie in chronological order. I can't reiterate enough. Hit that follow button so you know when a new podcast is released. Okay, on to today's show. Today's our weekly roundup show. Some of our topics will include the fallout of the Ezra Miller case, the Board of Governors meeting tomorrow to decide Will Smith's fate, the big shakeup at Warner Brothers, and there are a lot of musical biopics coming up. Is that something that you're interested in? Let's get started. So our first topic today is what's been going on with Ezra Miller. So he actually had gotten in trouble with the law again. And so now Warner Brothers might be putting a stop to all of his projects. So this comes from IndieWire. The Flash entering the Speed Force may have just won a 2022 fan-voted Oscar, but Warner Brothers may be running away from its lead star as Miller, who identifies non-binary and uses they and them pronouns, was arrested March 28th after reportedly attacking karaoke bar patrons in Hawaii. They were he was later released on $500 bail, $500 bail, but received a temporary restraining order against for against a local couple at the end of March. The couple claimed that Miller burst into their bedroom and threatened to bury them both. Miller was also allegedly stole a passport and a wallet. He goes on to say that basically that all of the projects that he has now had with Warner Brothers are in question, which is The Flash, which is coming up uh, June 2023, and of course the new Fantastic Beasts movie, which is premiering in a couple of weeks. How do you feel about this whole Ezra Miller thing is do you feel like Warner Brothers is doing the right thing? It's really hard because I feel like whenever there's emotions involved, that is not really right or wrong, right? We're talking about, I don't know if Ezra Miller is going through something that we don't know. It, it does sound like he had like a psychotic episode, which we cannot rule out. We don't know if he has been diagnosed, but definitely it was not something normal. I don't know if he had being exposed to substances. I don't have the full context. We don't have the full context of 
of what happened exactly. But I do have to say that right now I agree with Warner Bros. because I don't. I think it's dangerous to have someone that maybe is not at the right mind to conduct a project, especially because we have to always remember that a celebrity is not just like... I mean, all of us, we go to work and we come back and, you know, we might touch a few people or two that we get along with. But, you know, whenever you're an actor, you're speaking to a broader audience and you can actually shape maybe the, the opinion and inspire people, right? So it comes with a lot of responsibility. We have to remember that, right? We, let's put in perspective the fact that Donald Trump actually became a president. And if you look at his... He started, like, he was basically a TV persona, right? And the president of Ukraine right now, he was a comedian. So I'm not trying to say that Ezra Miller is going to go off to be a, a politician. All I'm saying is that it comes with power and it has to be respectful, right? What do you think? Yeah, no, he, he has a lot of public... And so when you're in the public eye, and we've discussed this, when you're in the public eye, you have a responsibility as a professional to carry yourself to the utmost to not only put a good reflection on you, but your employer as well. Because this not only makes him look bad, but it makes Warner Brothers look bad. And we'll get into Warner Brothers a little bit later. But now you've got to wonder... Will all those people that like this movie that's coming up next week, this is the second, don't forget, this is the second star that they've had to either remove or they've had controversy with. This is the first one with Johnny Depp. So, but getting back to the main point, you're, you're right. We don't have all the information, but I will say this. He's 24. He has to carry himself better in just a more respectful manner. And Absolutely. This, this is not the first time He's been in trouble with the law. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing, too. If this was his first stain, so to speak, I would say, you know what? He had a little too much to drink, but this isn't. If Warner Brothers drops him, where do they go? Now they've got to, you know, do they even bring, put the Flash out next year? I mean, what is the whole DCU? That's a whole other thing. Well, whole yeah. Time. But yeah, so. Already yeah. Considering new names, right? I think. Grant Gustin is one of the the most voted, let's put it this way, actors to replace Ezra Miller. We'll see how that happens. But I does bottom line, I hope Warner Bros. is also supporting Ezra Miller because it's probably not easy. You know, like yeah. I'm not, I, I of course condemned what he did and I feel very sad about it because he's a very talented actor. I would love to see more of his work, but... Yeah, I mean, he, right now, I feel like he needs professional help, and I hope he's yeah. getting it, and whenever he feels ready, I hope he finds studios with open doors to maybe welcome him and give him a new start or a second chance. I don't know if the public is as forgiving, though. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, all you got to do is look at somebody like Robert Downey Jr., right? I mean, when you want to talk about redemption story, his father was, of course, Robert Downey, and, you know, he was a heavy drinker and everything else, and his son followed in his footsteps. He had many arrests. He had cocaine convictions. He had drinking problems. And as soon as he got that one role of Iron Man, and with that, as I said, Flashback Fridays, which we're going to be starting in May, that's going to be the first movie we're going to do. But as soon as he got that role, that changed his whole life. So, redemption stories, 
are out there. Yeah, but they just them. work. I think they just work if you're very transparent about what is going on with you. So we all watched the downfall of Britney Spears, for instance. You know, when, whenever you're open about it, it's like, then we can forgive you. But if you're just assuming, like right now, it just sounds like he's not a nice guy. He sounds a little delusional, but we don't know. We don't know, like I said, if he was intoxicated, if he's going yeah. so, if he's battling like a, a mental condition. We are ready to forgive those who are honest and open to us. So we'll see what's going to happen. Yeah. So moving on, speaking of stars that are in trouble, Will Smith, this saga doesn't end. So this is going to be coming from Variety. The Academy moves up the board meeting between to discuss the Will Smith slap and consequences. The Academy Board of Governors will meet this Friday, tomorrow, to discuss the action and consequences of the Will Smith incident after him slapping Chris Rock at the 94th Oscars telecast. Originally scheduled for the meeting on April 18th, in a letter obtained exclusively by Variety, the move comes after Smith's resignation from the cat. I'm calling a board meeting for this Friday, April 8th at 9, 9 o'clock Pacific rather than the previously scheduled April 18th meeting to address possible san sanctions for Will Smith in response to his actions during the Oscars telecast. Signed by Academy President David Rubens, this letter states, quote, following Mr. Smith's resignation of his Academy membership on Friday, April Fools, nonetheless, suspension or expulsion is no longer a possibility, and the legally prescribed timetable no longer applies. It is in the best interest of all involved that this be handled in a timely fashion. Rubin referenced the date change in accordance with California law and standard of conduct, because of our gender and possible suspension and expulsion from Mr. Smith, and it's the meeting's going to take be done virtually over Zoom. It, the full letter is below and it reads, Dear fellow governors, so as I just said, that first paragraph, the April 18th was set in accordance. So basically, it said, so it's the, the letter that I just read was the statement I just read. Do you think there's any significance in that moving up the, the date? Or is just is this just how do you think that this changes things if it does? I don't know. I think it's a band aid. Don't you think it's kind of? Yeah, I mean, he it's, was going to. He was possibly going to get expelled. So what ends? Essentially, what ends up happening? I mean, I think Smith was trying to do damage control when he resigned. Absolutely. Didn't absolutely. do much. I don't know that this was really. This is just more. You know, they just want to, as you said, slap a Band-Aid on. They just want to soak with. Yeah. They want to know with. Absolutely. So I, I think, but this does have some serious repercussions because Netflix is now backing away from Will Smith's film. So he actually had a film. Okay. And this is going to be another question I'm going to ask you in a moment. Essentially, Will Smith had penned this, written this movie called Fast and Loose. And it was to tell the story of a crime boss who loses memory after an attack. Piecing clues together, he discovers that he had led a double life of the wealthy kingpin and broke CIA agent. Netflix is now stepping away from this. So this, now we have a little pattern. We now have studios that are saying, whoa, we're, we're going to slow everything down and not go forward with this. Is Netflix doing the right thing here? Or, not to cut you off, or do they go ahead with it and go ahead with it anyways and actually get what it helped. 
do you think? I think everyone is too worried about their own image to go forward with anything related to to Will Smith. I think for a while we're not going to be seeing him on TV, on, on the big screen. I think it's going to need a while. So I understand. They don't want to be associated with that, you know? So everything's going to be put on hold. And well, isn't bad publicity good publicity, though? I don't think bad publicity can become a good publicity at all. I think right now rep reputation is such an important... Now we're talking about the ESG, right? ESG is so important for everything right now. And if you're not thinking about it, and by the way, if you're listening to me and you don't know what it is, go figure it out because this is so important, right? ESG is something that hedge funds are taking in consideration to make their investments. And I feel like... Netflix is also looking at movies or shows as an investment because this is what it is at the end of the day. And they are, of course, going to apply the ESG. No one wants to, you know, to be on the bad side or in the wrong side of history. So I don't think yeah. bad publicity is good publicity. Yeah. I will say this much, too. Netflix movies, and I think we had this discussion the other day, Netflix movies just don't do well. And it doesn't matter if it's George Clooney, Wayne Gosling, Ryan Reynolds, Will Smith. Original movies just don't do it for Netflix. Now, they have great TV shows. Queen's Gambit, Cobra Kai, and everything else. But I feel like Don't Look Up and The Lost Daughter were both successful. Yeah, but that was only because, I will say this much. I Don't Look Up, I thought, was a little preachy. I thought it was a little preachy. Now, but the other thing, too, is if you look at that lineup of stars, Leonardo DiCaprio, I Jennifer know. Lawrence. Just you said they don't. And I, he look, don't look up. Has become the second most watched original movie in Netflix history with over three hundred and twenty-one million total hours streamed. So I'm just trying to like the whole point yeah. is like I do think the Netflix movies are doing extremely well, actually. Yeah. They. I'm not saying they are good. Listen, I'm not saying they are great or they are amazing. I'm just saying they are doing well. Yeah. No, I, I, I think they have the occasional gem. I think there were a lot of different things here. But one, you had the Oscar buzz for. Okay, I think people, they said, oh, I have Netflix. So they're going to go watch it. It was free. So they're going to take care of that. Number two, I think they have the star power. I think that, you know, as I named the, the stars earlier, Number three, you had an Oscar-nominated director in Adam McKay, who had done The Big Short, okay? So he and Christian Bale had been up for another Oscar for that, whatever else. And so when you have all of those ingredients, and, and the other thing I would say is this, when you have all those ingredients, you're going to have a hit. Well, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So it's not a secret. Netflix is using the same thing that everyone used all the time, but they are doing well. That's like It's just because yeah. in the beginning I understood you said Netflix movies don't do well. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if there's George Clooney or it or not. And I'm like, it is actually doing pretty well, I guess. Yeah. Especially now, I think in the beginning they were kind of, or everyone was kind of like, I don't know, because we associated Netflix with shows, TV series, but now they yeah. really know what they're doing. I'm not saying, yeah. again, that it's good or not. I'm not talking about the quality of the movies. I'm talking about the fact that people are watching it. We might forget in a week, but they're streaming it. So, on to 
I think the biggest entertainment story of the last week or week and a half, and that is Discovery, is now going to be taking over Warner Brothers. So this comes from the Hollywood Reporter. With $43 billion Warner Brothers Discovery mega merger about to be completed, CEO David Zaslav has unveiled more key executive appointments for the combined company. The industry veterans confirmed that trusted longtime Discovery top executive will hold on to their jobs, while Warner Brothers side entertainments, Casey Block, Channing Dungey, and Toby Emmerich will oversee their respective fibers reported directly to him. Essentially, this goes on to say that, they, so let me backtrack a little bit. Earlier in the week, there had been a lot of firings. A lot of people had been let go. Top executives have been let go. David Zaslav is a very no-nonsense guy, but he's he doesn't like red tape. So if you're my boss, I'll be reporting to you. There is, in effect, a middle person to steal, and then that person goes to report to, to you. But here's the biggest thing about this. This is where HBO Max comes in. And as we all know what happened last year during the pandemic, Warner Brothers basically undercut every single major feature film they had. And they put they went a day-to-day release, which means for all those that don't know, day-to-day means that the day it was supposed to be released in the theaters is when they released it on HBO Max. And it was on HBO Max for 30 days, and then they took it off and they'll come back in, let's say, 90 or 120 days. This happened with Godzilla vs. Kong, this has happened with Doom, this has happened with a lot of other films. And it cost them a lot of money. And that was a major reason why a lot of people lost their jobs, because while they got subscribers for HBO Max, now that all these movies are going back in the theaters, subscriptions are going down. And I would venture to say that you're going to have a lot of subscriptions being dropped. First of all, do you have HBO Max? I do. HBO Max, I do. I love it. It's one of my favorite streams, actually. So HBO Max is, is a lot of people have it, you know, so. But I, I think that they really, 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 I'm talking about Warner Brothers, really dropped the ball on this. And filmmakers, directors, talent, they were all, there. they were seething. Denis Villeneuve put in a hole, which you can go read in the New York Post, whole op-ed just destroying one of the Warner Brothers. Now, don't get me wrong, he, he penned in, he knew he was going to get a sequel to Doom, but he un- they, they completely undercut everything. Legendary, the distributor of Godbert, Godzilla vs. Kong, actually was going to sue Warner Brothers because of the amount of money that was lost. Now, subsequently, they settled and that got brushed under the rug, but how do you think this is going to affect... Warner Brothers and Discovery going forward. Do you think that this is going to they don't keep the, the content coming? Because we know that there's a, a new uh, Penguin uh, television show starring Colin Farrell coming out in probably a year or two. Is that going to keep the subscriptions up, or how do how do you feel Discovery is going to do with this new acquisition? I think there's always a, a period of transition. But in a few weeks or months, we're probably not going to know. I just don't know how the bureaucracy behind the scenes are going and how they're going to manage the content. But I do feel like they have very talented people. And I just 
and they are responsible for some great movies that we've all seen and loved. So as a movie lover, I hope for the best. I just hope this, I don't know. I, I personally, I don't like merging because I feel like it is unfertile in the long run. This whole acquisition, merge and acquisition movement that we've been seeing from companies, I, th I think it's sad. I like to have options. I like to have different opinions, different views, competition. I think it's the best thing for clients and for the audience as well, right? That's why we love having DC and we love having Marvel. And I think I would even welcome a new universe and, and things like that. But, but so then I feel like it's a little infertile. I feel like it kills a little bit of the creativity. Yeah, you don't think I mean... Yeah, I'm, I think, I, and, you know, I've heard it said before, this isn't show friends and, you know, business and business do, do one thing, the number one thing, and that's trying to make money. Yeah. And if I can take over a company that's a lesser company and I can just put that under my umbrella and have, you know, have John, Bob and, you know, Steve run my company. Yeah. Why not? So, and, but the game of I will say this much: the game of Monopoly is not good when you have all of these. When you have one company taking over everybody, correct? I think it's that's easy. where things start to go a little sideways because you know. Yeah. And that's, we'll, see, yeah. we'll see what happens, especially in the creative world, right? I think it's. It's a little sad to, to see where things are going. And you're right. It is all about numbers. One thing that really concerns me about it all, David, is the fact that streaming companies, they require a lot of content, a lot of new content all the time. So I do have some friends who are you know, cinematographers and actors, and all of them have a story that they sold something from one of these families. Sold the script, sold the show, sold an idea, a project, but the numbers are not great. So I feel like the golden era of Hollywood are gone. I mean, of course you're going to make money if you're Leonardo DiCaprio. Of course you're going to have millions of dollars at your disposal if you're like Wes Anderson or, or you know Steven Spielberg. But if you're starting out, the road to success is now a little longer. Oh, absolutely. And those, even those few names that you, you put out there, that's only 1%. Those are only 1%. Exactly. What I mean by, you know, the 1% is what I'm talking about is you have those few people owning everything. And that, to me, it takes years. I mean, we were just talking about directors the other day. It takes, look at Spielberg, 30, 40 45 years in the number of films. He didn't just start, snap his fingers, oh, okay, I'm successful. It's a long road, and you're right about that. The other thing I would say is this. It's, there are only so many ideas out there. In every, there's only about three or 400 stories ever, whether it's sci-fi, whether it's romance, whether it's drama. And so you have your, the same things. It's just how do you interpret I mean, look at any mafia. I know we did The Godfather a couple weeks ago. You know, The Godfather was the quintessential one. But look at how many other ones you've had since. So it's the same thing. It's just how they interpret it. It's the characters and, and everything else. So it's tough. I yeah. mean, to sell something, to be able to get your foot in the 
door and stuff to, to sell something in Monumental. Yeah, like since we're talking about Round of the Week, we have to remember too that the new season of Russian Dolls is coming to Netflix. They, they released the new trailer. They're launching in April 20th. I don't know if you've seen it and if you liked it, but... I had, I, I heard about it. I heard about that. That's... Successful. So, for those who like it, it's a relief to know that a third season is confirmed, but it is going to be apparently the last season. So, enjoy it. And that's the one thing I can't stand about Netflix, is they will put a great series together and they'll shut it down after a couple of seasons. The one I, I think of off the top of my head is Mindhunter. Mindhunter was a fabulous show. It was all about the FBI, you know, how what we call criminal minds now, but John Douglas and how he built, single-handedly built, the BAU, Behavioral Analysis, and how he went out and interviewed these, you know, these killers and just, my point is this, it, it ended after two seasons. And so I was really kind of bummed out about that. They have a tendency of putting all of their eggs in one basket and then doing that. On the flip side, though, there's only one show I can think of that's been going on for a while now, and that's Cobra Cop. And that that first season actually started on YouTube. And there were so many views and there was so much buzz about it that Netflix says, oh, we want that. And they picked it up. Now it's in its like fifth season. Well, that's definitely one of those shows that's going to be on my to-watch list. I'm such a controversy person that I like when they don't want to stretch a story out. That's part of why I love Fleabag. That's, you know, they offered, yeah. they offered them a lot of money to have... And they're like, I love when creator says, yes, I love money. Yes, I want to have it. But there's no way I yeah. can spread the story out. It makes no sense. I cannot make something nice out of it. So... And that's the other thing, too. This even happens, not to cut you off, this even happens with shows on, on television, cable television. Yeah. That's like uh, Manifest on uh, NBC. Got yeah. canceled after five years. Netflix goes and says, oh, we want it. They go and finish the season, and the next season. That was going to be the last season. But so, but to, to run one of those streaming companies, and I mean, Netflix just paid, I want to say, was it Netflix or somebody else? They paid like a hundred or two hundred million dollars for the for the rights for Friends. Wow! It's just like it's mind blowing. For a syndicate, yeah, Law and Order, all these shows. Anyways, moving on to our last topic, and this is an interesting one. How do you feel about musical biopics? And I haven't I haven't thought about that, but this actually comes. This last article comes from IndieWire as well. Musical biopics are beloved. Our beloved tradition, and one that showed no signs of slowing down. Over the years, we've seen Sissy Space win an Oscar as Loretta Lynn, the coal miner's daughter, Jessica Lang earn a nomination as Kathy Klein in Sweet Dreams, and Reese Witherspoon win Best Supporting Actress, June Carter Cash, and Long Line. And that's just the country. The training of musical icon is just the next step in evolving, showcase the triple threat talent. Jamie Foxx took home Best Actor as his transformation into Ray Charles and oh. 2004 movie Ray, Joaquin Phoenix won his Oscar as Johnny Cash and Walk the Line. And it goes on. So, we have, the reason I bring this up is we have a few coming out. Elvis, which 
briefly we spoke about. We have Bradley Cooper playing Leonard Bernstein as Maestro, as a musician, as a conductor, a possible Madonna biopic. Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al Yankovic. That would be an interesting one. Jonah Hill playing Jerry Garcia in Martin Scorsese's Grateful Dead film. And it goes on and on and on. By the way, would any of those interest you? Those I, those are still in the yeah, works. But. Of course. I would be totally interested to see Madonna's musical biopic, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, like, I tend to like them, but I don't think it would work with modern times singers and because i don't know it feels like those type of of projects only work when things are more organic i feel now everything is such listen people are media trained right we all know all this beige answers all this is scripted interviews i mean i'm a journalist i know how things work now for so many, I've interviewed a lot of actors and actors, and so many of them, I had to submit my questions beforehand, and they can censor those that they did not want. And part of me is like, so, you know, that's why I respect Beyonce. Beyonce, she does not talk to the press, to the press since 2014. And by the way, she just joined the Billion Dollar Club. Yes, correct. But I don't know. So, you know, like Vogue actually did a cover on her. And they had to interview everyone but her because she doesn't talk to anyone anymore. And I've also tried to interview her, of course, because, you know, that's what you do. You know you're going to get a nobody who ask anyway. And I think her press team response was something like, well, if she has something to say to her audience, she can use her, her social media. So that being said, I do think it's sad that they don't have the engaging with the journalists anymore because a lot of organic things come out of questions. But they have to be organic. Don't ask me to submit them first so you can... Well, and, and you know, I mean, as a journalist, you know why they do this. And I've done this with interviews with others before. They don't want any landmines. <laughs> yeah, but I, I also get sad about that, you know. So then, But I do prefer then don't talk to me if it's going to be this scripted interview. Just, yeah, just submit me, just send me a press release then. I think that... And, and I can understand your, your dismay there. I think the big thing, though, is that, you know, and you're right. I mean, anybody, if she puts out one post, breaks the internet. Oh, yeah. Because she doesn't do it on a regular basis. Yeah. I think, though, if there's a rapport, though, between a journalist and a musician, they'll be, they'll gladly sit down and talk to them on a regular basis. So, it takes time to develop those. But I can't understand why... Now, I, to never do an interview, that's, you know... and I mean, on the rare occasion, and that's why they're so... You know, it's a supply and demand thing. I hate to say it. If you're doing an interview, you know, every fifth year, people are going to clamor at. Whereas if you're doing it once every three months, it's like, eh. No, I don't think that's special, but it's incredible to think that you may never talk to the press and you're still on the cover of Vogue, you know, because your work is bigger than that. But social media, I think you'll agree with me here, social media has totally changed the game over the last 20 years. Absolutely, absolutely. It changed how we consume entertainment, it changed how we consume news, and of course, how we create them too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if 
this is happening here, but there was a scandal in Brazil. So I don't know if our readers know, but Brazil is huge for their soap opera, right? So usually at 9 p.m., the most successful channel in Brazil airs this soap opera that our grandmas all stop to watch it. And then you start seeing everyone wearing the same clothes as the main character is using. So it's huge for our culture, okay? That being said, they were casting actors and actresses for a new soap opera, and they started taking in consideration the number of followers someone would have. So you might be the most appropriate for a character, but you know what? You only have 10,000 followers. That guy who's good, but not so good, he has 10 million. So let's get that guy because we have that buzz going on. So it is scary as hell, and it does... Yeah, I would say one thing though, and I don't know what it is, and I this is just a personal theory of mine. I think, and I don't know this to be true or false, but I think there's something what I call a magic number, and this magic number is let's say it's ten thousand. There is a number out there that you can't quantify that if you hit this number, you'll be able to reach every single person. Six degrees of separation. And whether it's 10,000 or 15,000, I don't know what it is. But let's say you have 15,000 followers. There's a chance. Because, and this is why Facebook was so successful, right? Because Facebook, you start with one thing, and then I'm friends with you, and then you're friends with somebody else, and that person, and it's an onion effect. And the more friends, friends, that they have, the more exposure they get. The more exposure get, they get, the more eyeballs they're on. The more eyeballs, they go, oh, okay. And then they're going to start chewing you. Mm. The other thing I well. Uh, well, actually, the algorithm is not that great. So technically, yes, I would agree with you. Six degrees of separations, you could be friends with anyone and reach anyone. But the algorithm keeps us all in a bubble. So it feeds us basically, so, you know, there was articles about that when it comes about election, for instance, that became a huge problem because all you would read or hear is something that you agree already. So you're not exposed to new information, new ideas, new angles. So the problem is that you can have a million followers, but it's going to be hard to crack outside of the bubble. I do agree if you have more followers, like at some point you're going to hit the news and that's going to reach a broader audience and, and come out of her bubbles. But yeah. yeah. The one thing I will say, one of the last things I'll say is this. As far as all these biopics are concerned, we've had over the past, I would say, seven or eight years. And Hollywood works in this trend where if something is working, all the studios want to make it, right? You had A Star is Born, then you turn around and you have Bohemian Rhapsody, then you have... What happened, Miss you know, Miss Elvis... Elvis, you've got all of these other ones, and it's because they're successful. It doesn't matter who you cast it, because it can be a no-name. If they look like them, and they sound like them, then absolutely. And this is even true of like 10, 12 years ago. You had all these boxing movies come out. You know, South Park, Rocky Balboa, all these boxing movies, because that was the big successful thing. So what I'll say is this. It's all about trends. We it, take all you gotta do is look at superhero. Movies. All you gotta do is look at superhero movies right now. Yeah. And the trend is those are successful. 
if you are doing that, making money, then more power to you. So if these musical biopics are going to be successful, there's going to be more and more and more and more made. But it's going to take a few in order for people to go, okay? If the first one's not good, people are not going to warm up to the second and third one. I'll be honest with you. I'm curious to see the album still. I, I've never listened. I mean, I've listened to a few of his songs. You know, I know of his music. Me too, absolutely. Especially, so, yeah, my mom is a huge fan, so I grew yeah. up listening Elvis. So, actually, this leads me into my recommendation, and I know it's an older film, an older but a newer film, and it's actually the one that was done a few years ago, and was nominated for a few Oscars, and of course, Shallow came from this, and that's Star Wars. This movie was made way back. It's been the third remake. First one was with Judy Garland. Second one was with Chris Christopherson and uh, Barbara Streisand in 1975. And now this one. And this one was just everything about it. This was the first time Bradley Cooper ever directed a movie. But he sounded amazing. All original songs. Lady Gaga wins an Oscar. I mean, it just, the story worked. And you saw one artist going down, another going up. It actually deals with addiction to a certain extent. And there's some scenes in there that just I cringe at because it was that it was painful, but it was good. And so starting Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, the two big ones, and of course he directed it. And Sam Elliott's amazing as the brother. He was top notch. He actually earned it. Academy Award nomination. So that's my nominate that's my recommendation for the week. So um well I'm gonna get a ride on your recommendation and also go back to this musical biopic. And I mentioned here what happened, Miss Simone. It was beautiful. I don't know if you think, especially because now we just had, you know, this week the first Ketanji Brown Jackson was nominated the first black woman to ever sit on the Supreme Court of the United States. So let's celebrate the power of women, the resilience of those, you know, strong, amazing humans. And I think Nina Simone is also one of them. We have to remember she was the first to play many venues, right? As a black artist, she was the first in many, many venues. So I think it is a good soundtrack for the area we're now living. Yeah. I mean, then that's a whole other podcast for another time, the strong women characters. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about the directors the other day. There aren't enough strong women lead yeah. characters. I mean, I can name two or three off the top of my head. And I'm talking about the last 35 years, and that's it. Ripley from Aliens and Louis Sterling from Silent Silent. And that whole movie, even the first five minutes when she's walking to, you know, through the Quantico, when she gets in the elevator, she's saying she's hovering over these six foot three, six foot two guys, and she's this tiny little thing, and she walks out of the elevator. You know, she's the only one in the elevator, and she walks out with the next shot. And then you have, as the story progresses, you know, you see her become stronger. Like when she first meets the asylum, the head of the asylum is very submissive to a certain extent. And she, as she grows more powerful and stronger, she stands up to him. Same thing with the doctor. And 
masterpiece of film. But strong women, and, and there are not a lot of them. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's something that's sorely missed from uh, Hollywood today. So, okay. So, this is going to wrap up this edition. And then next week, the, C- the Fantastic Beasts 3 movie comes out. Seeker Dumbledore. So, I'm going to go see that. And I will definitely give my two cents about that because Harry Potter, and that's a whole other podcast for another time, a multi billion dollar industry. All right. So, for Real Talks, I'm David Steele. I'm Eloel Razen. And you 